Welcome to the wonderful world of wine, exploring all things wine with you. We are your hosts, Kim Simone and Mark Lindsay, and you can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the wonderful world of wine, exploring all things wine with you. We are your hosts, Mark and Kim, and every week we bring you trending topics from the wine world, hopefully things that you are interested to hear about and that, of course, we are interested in talking about. So how are you this week, Mark? Everything's good, Kim. And you? I am great. Thank you. Got uh, lots going on as usual. And front of mind for me is always wine. And I'm sure it is for you too. Yeah. And listeners probably don't know in the liquor industry, we're getting towards the crazy time. So Mm -hmm. a lot of things happen this time of year. And hopefully uh, people start to pursue a little wine a little bit more now this time of year. Holidays are coming. First, Kim, we should tell the listeners we had the 22nd Annual Podcast Awards. We were nominated again third year out of four years we were nominated but we didn't win kim we lost to a bourbon show but a bourbon uh, well bourbon's pretty hot and trendy yeah but you know just so the listeners know uh, thanks for uh, those who had us nominated we put that out a while back and we were hoping third time was a charm but <laughs> we'll try again next year we will we'll keep on doing what we do so what's first today kim So we're going to talk a little bit about some textural descriptions for wines, kind of that revolve around tannins. We're going to talk about the word chewy and what does that mean in relation to a glass of wine. Another wine enthusiast article saying it's, uh, and this is another descriptor, I guess you could say, that people will probably hear in the wine world. And I'm glad you start, you right away you started, Kim, saying texture. And that, that was going to be my first thing. Is this a, a more of a texture or a body or viscosity? Mm-hmm. Or, we, we should really kind of start with that because it's it could be confusing to the listeners. Absolutely. So people who've listened to me for any amount of time know that I like to talk about what you are getting out of the glass in terms of both flavors and then also textures. So you can have a a particular feel of the wine on your palate and in your mouth that has nothing to do with what what the taste is, like the fruit or the spice or whatever those things are that you're tasting. I like to talk about them as being different from the things that you feel in your mouth. So those textures are really, really important to me when I talk about wine. And I like to talk about tannins in particular being grippy or soft or harsh. And chewy definitely comes up in my tasting notes from time to time. And I really like how wine enthusiasts kind of breaks down these terms for people. I feel like they do a particularly good job of making the ideas pretty approachable and understandable for people who maybe don't have as much experience with wine as we do. Yeah. Wine enthusiasts said it could be, quote, crunchy or chewy when you describe it. Crunchy is an interesting one. Yeah. It kind of turns you off when you're talking about wine. No. Like when I I hear crunchy, I almost feel think like, you know, when you get the tart crunch of an apple, right? like right. a brand, like a, you just picked it off a tree, <laughs> kind of crunchy, but I associate that with acidity and not really tannins. So I thought that one was very interesting for, for my way of imagining wine. How do you associate texture and body? Like you were saying, you like to describe texture in wine. Would you say that 
full-bodied wines will always have more texture for a mouthfeel? Um, they do tend to go hand in hand for me, but not always. They're not always the same. So like I can think of, say, something like a Gewürztraminer that maybe has a little bit higher alcohol content to it that might feel richer without it necessarily having more texture to it. Whereas texture, I feel like often will come from the tannins or come from the acids. And while those things will add to the weight of a wine, I don't necessarily feel like it's a a one-to-one comparison. And you worked right into my next thing I wanted to talk about. Don't I always? (laughs) Overall, is Chewy a a tannin-related thing? For me, it is. So So I would, would definitely say yes. Yeah, so I mean that's basically kind of where they were going in the in the article, saying mm-hmm. tannin is a big thing, and tannins in the wine world are related to the thickness of the grape skin. So they mentioned a lot of thick skin grapes where you can consider they would be chewy. Would you like to give some examples of wines that people can find this chewy component in? Sure, I would say the quintessential one is probably Cabernet. Like that would be the the easiest one for people to find to really experience what this textural component, what we're talking about here. Because Cabernet is a it's a thick skinned grape. There's a lot going on in those skins, not just in color and flavor, but again in those tannins and polyphenols and all of these other things that you want in red wine grape skins because they do add so much personality and so many of these components to the final wine. Did you have a favorite? Because I've got a couple of other ones as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, the article mentioned a lot of Italian grapes. Yeah. Uh, that's where I was going to go next. Sagrantino. But when you mentioned earlier about acidity and chewiness, Nebbiolo to me mm-hmm. is one of those wines that it can be really chewy and that can be earthy, it can have acidity, it can have tannin. So you really kind of have to work through it when you're tasting it to get things out of it. So right. that's kind of my go-to. What other ones did you like? I just wanted to go back to back to Nebbiola for a second because yeah. it can be a difficult wine, I feel like, sometimes to wrap your brain around when you're tasting it for the first time because the color is so not what you would expect from a big, powerful red wine. You look at the color and generally the color of Nebbiolo is fairly light, but then you put that thing in your mouth and you're like, whoa, like... I was right. I was telling a class full of students last week that this is a grape variety that can really wipe the spit right out of your mouth because it can be highly, highly tannic. And then also with that acid structure, it gives you so much complexity in the wines themselves that sometimes it's a little bit difficult to put your finger on what are all those components that you're experiencing. Yeah, it's light color, just for our listeners who are not familiar with it, it's light, almost like a Pinot Noir, mm-hmm. you know, but it, uh, yeah, it really packs a punch. Totally. What other grape did you want to highlight a little bit? They, they also so, mentioned Syrah and Merlot. Yeah, I was going to go with Syrah or Syrah. Shiraz yeah. as another one that, again, like Cabernet, it's one of those grapes that has so much going on that depending on how the winemaker wants to approach it, you can have a lot of soft fruit, a lot of sweet fruit, but still have those tannins in there. Or if you're perusing it from a a slightly cooler climate, you know, the flavors might be different, but you're still going to get that punch of those tannins. And where that sticks out for me is Australian. You know, Shiraz used to be so popular. And that was my next question was, can you relate a chewy wine to high alcohol, like a a Zinfandel or 
a Shiraz that are like 15%. When there's more alcohol in a wine, is it something you can describe as chewy because of alcohol? I feel like it can go either way. Like back to those Nebbiolos we were talking about, right? Like you can get that chewy component for those wines. And those are certainly cool climate wines. But then again, sometimes you can get them in those nice hot things from California as well. So I don't think it has to be tied to a particular climate expression. I feel like you can get them both in cool climate and in uh, warm climate sites. Right. And the listeners know we taste a lot of wine, Kim. And I had to ask you, when you're tasting wine, there's this whole technique everybody knows about how we taste. Do you actually physically chew a wine when you're tasting it? It's, you know, a lot of people put it in their mouth and in sucking in air and stuff like that. But I've seen people who are actually sloshing and doing a chewing motion. Yeah. And want to kind of relate that when people say chewy wine, it doesn't necessarily mean that's the technique you're kind of using. <laughs> that's a really you, good point. Do you use no, that I don't chew, technique? No, I don't chew my wine when I'm tasting my wines. Nope. Yeah, me either. It is kind of, it's, uh, I, I don't know. But everybody's different. You know, if you go to wine tastings, whether they're professional wine tastings or whether people are just out for fun, you see so many different ways that people approach the tasting of a glass of wine. So, I mean, there's a lot of right ways to do it. So if people want to chew their wine and get more of those components on every part of the inside of their mouth, who am I to tell them not to do that? Yeah, just so the listeners know, when chewing doesn't mean it's a chewy wine because you're making that motion so there was if you want to try to chew your wines go ahead we always talk about aging wines and how over times the wines Mm. evolve and get a little smoother so are aged wines never chewy can they never be chewy i don't say never but those those are the things that soften once you put a little time on your wine i um I kind of feel like chewy wines go with chewy foods, (laughs) you know, think of like, you know, a chewy steak and a chewy wine and they tend to go together. So with the timing aspect and the aging aspect, I feel like that's another part of it that you can think about as you think about how these different components in a wine add to the complete picture, not just what do they taste like or smell like in the glass, but how are they going with food as well? That's a good example. Chewy pear, chewy with chewy. Chewy with chewy. You know, I say pink wine and pink food. So why not chewy wines and chewy foods? Yeah, I've actually added that color thing to my wine and food classes. Yeah. (laughs) You know, (laughs) you get weights and you got profiles and you got colors. Mm -hmm. So we had another article you mentioned earlier, tannins. We talked about tannins giving texture and body and adding to the chewiness of wine. There was another article in Wine Lover magazine. Why is there sediment? in wine and sediment has to do with tannins. And we thought we'd kind of discuss that with our listeners, how sediment is related to chewy. What did you think of the Wine Lover magazine comments? I actually loved this article because as I started to read it, I was thinking, okay, they're just going to be talking about the sediment that you get in a red wine when it has been sitting for a little while and, and the tannins start to precipitate out and you get that little bit of sort of purplish gunk at the bottom of your bottle. But they didn't only talk about that type of sediment. They talked about the tartrate crystal sediment that you can get in white wines. They talk about older wines versus younger wines. And I really loved that they took so much time and effort to discuss so many different sides of this particular characteristic of wine, because a lot of times people will see something 
in the bottom of their bottle or the bottom of their wine glass and immediately like, oh, this is a, you know, a bad thing. But it turns out that it's completely the opposite, that if you have some of these components that you find in your wine, it's more of an indication that it's been cared for and that it's doing its natural thing and that it's itching gracefully. So I, I actually really like this article a lot. Nice. This, uh, the sediment is actually a natural byproduct of making wine. And when I see something with sediment in it, or I, I don't say like, it'll, I don't think it's be chewy. I'm saying, oh, this is going to be a chunky wine because I'm going to I'm going to be feeling some texture in here, maybe from something I don't filter out. Uh-huh. Um, but it's a natural product byproduct. And this is where we bring up if a wine is filtered or unfiltered, because most winemakers will filter the wine and get all that sediment out of there. But there are some people that believe they want to unfilter it. So it's the natural product. This is what you get. So they may put on the the label unfiltered. So you can expect that you're going to have some sort of sediment, which would lead to maybe a chewy wine because you get something going on with texture in your mouth when you're drinking Mm -hmm. it from the seeds or the stems or the skins. It's a natural thing. And I don't really see this much as a a particular style that winemakers are doing where they say unfiltered, because I think a lot of people want something clean that looks good and clean lately. What do I you still think? feel like I'm seeing this fairly often, Same especially unfiltered. with older bottles from particularly warmer climates. Like I feel like I always see wines with sediment for, for big reds from Southern Italy. With age on them, you mean? Even some with only just a couple yeah. of years. Because aging, as we know, over time, you will have more sediment in there mm-hmm. as things start to shed. And that's interesting. And it's, and it's not a bad thing. See. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I do find it. A lot. And does it, it doesn't mean it's a bad wine or the wine is bad. It doesn't mean it's harmful for you. You can, nope. you can drink it. You can eat these little sediment things. It's, it doesn't it's, taste great, but it's not going to hurt you. Yeah. Um, and I like the, the little bit where, so if you have a white wine that you might find these little crystals in, they're not sugar crystals. They're not salt crystals. They're actually tartrate crystals, which is the, major acid component in wine. And it's the same as that little bottle of cream of tartar that you might have on your spice rack. Yeah. And usually absolutely fine for you. You pop the cork and you might see them hanging on the Mm -hmm. bottom of the cork and don't freak out about that. As Kim said, little wine crystals. So how can people deal if they have a wine with sediment? That was one of the things this article mentioned that I thought was very helpful. A couple suggestions. If you don't like that sediment or you don't want that when you pour it in your glass. How can you deal with it? They mentioned uh, decanting it. So you watch and when the sediment starts to rise up in the bottle, you don't pour that in the decanter. Mm -hmm. And that takes a little bit of care, right? I mean, you need to pay attention. You need to have a bottle that you can see through. And there are some very, very dark bottles out very dark glass that sometimes it's it's a little harder to see through that glass. So you might end up pouring out some of that sediment without meaning to just because you can't really see through the glass. And they mentioned cheesecloth, which I've Mm -hmm. seen you use a few times, Kim. A few times. Sometimes I'll just use a regular kitchen strainer too, which allows you to really see what you're doing. Yeah, that's a good tip. We're we're pretty low tech here. Coffee coffee filters, which I've done a few times, they, they seem to break apart very easy, but that's also another tip of how to sift out that sediment. 
I think a few times I've had some experiences where I got into the bottom of the bottle. Like you said, some of them are so dark and they're heavy. So when you're pouring, you don't really know you're at the end. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of sediments (laughs) in your glass, you take a a sip of it and you're like, oh my God. You know, know. it's like drinking sand. Sand is actually a really good description. Like that is sort of the texture of it. So we're not encouraging you listeners to actually consume the sediment because it is fairly unpleasant, but it's a natural part of the wine, then it's not going to hurt you. Yeah. And it's a good example of tannin and chewiness. You know, It's almost like when you get some some coffee grounds at the bottom of your cup of coffee. I feel like it's very similar to that. Yeah, exactly. You're listening to The Wonderful World of Wine, and we are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. If you'd like more information about Kim, please go to her website, commonwealthwineschool.com. For more information about myself, please go to franklinliquors.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. On Twitter, we are at Wine Education, and you can find our past episodes on SoundCloud and iTunes. Next, we quickly want to go through an article that Gus Clemens wrote talking about top wine producing countries and what is their signature wine from each country, which I thought was very useful. I guess this was a study from the University of Adeline in Australia tracking Mm -hmm. this information. And uh, we thought it'd be helpful for our listeners to know a country and the wine that would be like the go-to wine you'd want to get, Kim, from that country. So what did you think of this article? A lot of these for me were not surprising at all. Like looking through the list, I'm like, oh, yep. Okay. That one with that country. Yep. Those are a match. And of course, there are some that I know just from doing various certifications where those are the things you have to know, <laughs> you know, you're, you're sort of required to know like, hey, what is the, you know, the most produced white grape in Spain, like that kind of thing. But some of these other ones, especially from countries that are not, say, in the top 10 of wine producing countries in the world, were very interesting. Some of the Eastern European countries are really interesting. Would you say that if it's the top wine from the country, that that is the best showing for because of the terroir? Not necessarily, because some of these grapes are grown for other things than fine wine production. So like I'm assuming that Spain is, it is, it's Eiren, which is a grape variety that is a white grape that you very rarely see bottled as table wine because it's used mostly for brandy production. So no, I don't think that it necessarily means like, hey, this is the grape variety that if you see this as a bottle, then you should be aware of it and you should go buy it because it's going to be the best that they can produce. I think it that there's a little bit more going on than just that. Right. So you mentioned about there were no surprises on a few. Let's talk about those first and see if we kind of on the same page about what was really no surprise. What would you want to start with first? For- oh my gosh, like everywhere. <laughs> there were a lot that were not surprising. Like Syrah for Australia, which, you know, would be Shiraz or Malbec from Argentina. I guess I shouldn't be surprised by Merlot from France. Yeah, Bordeaux. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, there is a lot of wine produced in Bordeaux and Merlot is the number one grape variety from that region. So that is not surprising. I, For some reason, I didn't realize that Chardonnay is our number one grape for the U.S. I thought it was Cab. Yeah little surprising because Chad seems to be trending down, but uh, they're still saying it's it's up there. Yep. But things like Gruner Veltliner for Austria, Chenin Blanc for South Africa, those are 
I feel like exactly where I would expect to find those grape varieties being the most predominantly grown. You didn't say your buddy first to Germany Riesling. That was one that's like, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> right away, I thought you would have started with that. Well, totally goes without saying. Yeah. Or Sangiovese for Italy. San, that's another one. Italy, I mean, Sangiovese, probably five of the 20 regions, it's the number one red grape. Mm-hmm. Uh, New Zealand, Sauvignon Blanc, that was like, yeah, duh, you know. <laughs> We knew that. You mentioned Spain with the the brandy producing. Uh, Uruguay was another one. Tanat mm-hmm. is a very is the popular grape. What were some of the weirder ones? Let's talk about Russia. Russia was Cab. Yeah, that's. I would have never guessed Cab is good for. for but Russia. I can't say that I really know very much about Russian wine growing or grape growing or winemaking. So yeah. you know that could really go either way. That was an interesting one. Brazil had a, a grape I really never heard about, Isabella, which is a red grape. Of yeah, the that one was interesting too. Fetus Lambrusca family. So it's not a very common thing probably. But again, like Russia, Brazil, you're not really seeking out many red wines from Brazil, which but it was an interesting one. Mm. Chile was Cab, which makes sense. That I knew. <laughs> Hungary, you mentioned Blaufrankish, the, the one you love to say all the time. Blaufrankish. But I, I haven't had a whole lot of Blaufrankisch from Hungary. Like most of yeah, what Austria, I have had right has been from Austria yeah, or, from, or from the Finger Lakes of New York. So I thought that was, while not a great variety that I was surprised to see on this list, I was sort of surprised to see it from the country that, that, it, uh, that it was attributed to. What's the, I'm trying to think of the grape. Every time we learned Hungary, the bull's blood wine was oh. all they used to talk about. It's bugging, bugging me now. Canada was an interesting wine, and, and I'm assuming it's the one maybe used in ice wine. Mm-hmm. It's How do you say it? Sevrel Blanc? Sevrel Blanc. Sevrel Blanc. Yeah, they make a lot of ice wine. Is it Vidal Blanc? Is that the same grape as Vidal Blanc? No, it's different. It is different from Vidal. Wow. Yep. So it has to be ice wine. Let's see. Portugal was Tempranillo. Which they don't call Tempranillo in Portugal, but... <laughs> Whatever. Swiss, Switzerland was Pinot Noir, which we mentioned shows ago about how the Swiss wine is very popular and trending, but you can never find it. And I guess Pinot Noir is their go-to. Uh, so some interesting things. And yeah. it's good people are looking at and giving advice of what to seek out. It's always interesting if someone asks for a, some other grape from a region that you didn't think they grew. And that's one of probably my geeky things I like to do, Kim, is I like to seek out varietals from different areas that I've never had before. And and people say, well, you you know, it really doesn't grow good there or mm-hmm. well, they, they have it. So I want to try it, you know, yeah. that type of thing. Well, because you're a curious wine drinker and you always have been. So I think that that is a great thing that, you know, you want to f- find out what is growing in this particular area and how does it taste different from something that is from a country that maybe I'm more familiar with, or I know what this grape variety tastes like in this place, in this place, in this place, and how does it show in this this other location? So I think that that's one of the wonderful things about wine is that we always can see these new things happening and that we can be constantly surprised by what we can find and taste and uh, an experience out there. Yeah. And also the bad side of climate change, because people are doing different things that they never did before and moving things around because of climate. So mm-hmm. we can try these things from all over now. So that's a good so point. That was the signature wine list from countries. I like the Gus Clemens articles. He puts out some good content. 
Thank you for joining us today for The Wonderful World of Wine. We've been your hosts, Mark Lenzi and Kim Simone. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Please feel free to leave us your questions and comments. You can find our past episodes on SoundCloud and iTunes and follow us on social media on Twitter at Wine Education and on Instagram at The Wonderful World of Wine. Cheers. Bye.